0: We keep talking about bad news on this podcast, which I think is depressing people. We have some more today. Cuyahoga County Council is at it yet again. It's something we'll be talking about on this episode of Today in Ohio, the news podcast discussion from Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. I'm Chris Quinn here with Courtney Astolfi, Laura Johnston, and Lisa Garvin. I don't think I mentioned yesterday that Layla Atassi is off for a much deserved break this week. Let's begin. What did Cuyahoga County Council President Pernell Jones do yesterday that slows the process down to get to a jail decision in Cuyahoga County? Courtney Astaffi, I bring this up on a day that I understand the Franklin County Jail is opening. They did everything right in Franklin County. We've done everything wrong here. What's the latest?
1: Yeah, so this move that reporter Caitlin Durbin reported on yesterday revolves around this contested kind of second jail study that, that people who who want to reconsider the idea of renovating the downtown jail where it's currently located in the Justice Center are are pushing for. They want a second review of what it might take to renovate the current jail as opposed to building a new, which others are are pushing for so we've got that push and pull between renovation and building a new this second study is meant to build upon and inform what's needed at the Cuyahoga County Jail it would essentially serve as a follow-up to a 2014 assessment of the jail's needs and and what was going on in the Justice Center space offices how things could be rearranged and moved around so this would give us an updated look from that 2014 study and it's backed by nearly every member of the 12-member steering committee who's in charge of jail planning that includes a slew of local officials, county and city, both.
0: And and let let me stop you there, because the key on that jail steering committee is it's everyone who is considered a stakeholder, the public defender, the sheriff, the Cleveland City Council president, Armin Budish himself, and they voted unanimously to get this study done just to make sure that there wasn't a way to make this jail work, which I don't think anybody believes that it will, but they just want to be sure. So that was voted on unanimously. It seems like two months ago, the process was moving along. And then what happened next?
1: Yes. So yesterday, County Executive Armin Budish wanted approval, uh, day of, to to fund $150,000 for this study with an architecture firm. And... Normally those kinds of items just move right on through the the county's Board of Control, but Council President Pernell Jones Jr. took that item from the Board of Control's um, control and he's sending it to full council for like a full set of hearings on whether the council wants to move forward with this. Now that move pulling things from the Board of Control to the full council happens on really dicey big things that council has a big interest in and wants to vet further.
0: The, the thing that throws me is it's $150,000, which I can't imagine what you're going to do with that money that would be substantive. But that was the agreement. They they came up with it. Blocking that to pull it back is a phony stall. There's no reason not to go through with this because there are other processes in place. Stopping that is an intentional thwarting of the Jail Steering Committee. I think the, the Cuyahoga County Council has decided... They're not going to work with the steering committee anymore. They're going to do this unilaterally. And it makes you wonder what's going on in the background. Pernell Jones and the county council have proven they're not transparent. They're making decisions in secret like they did with their slush funds. So you wonder what's going on with the jail selection right now with the steering committee being thwarted. Has there been a recent meeting of the steering committee?
1: No, but I, I do understand that there's one coming up. So this... This delay, it it wouldn't be considered by the full council until starting a week from now, and then it would have to go, you know, at least probably two weeks beyond that. I'm sure it'll be pending and sitting before council as they meet and the steering committee seeks to take this issue back up. So I'm really curious what um, Purnell Jones and council's representative on the committee how they're going to address this when they all get in the room and start talking next time.
0: Well it's a bad faith effort. They're not they're not working as part of the group. This is this is going around what the unanimous decision was. We still are waiting for the the toxin study at the site that they want to build on, the site that was so poisonous that the state wouldn't build a prison there. We should see results of that within a few weeks. But if Pernell Jones follows through on what he told Caitlin Durbin about putting this in a council committee. They, they won't approve this contract until August or later, and that is really pushing this down the road. I, I think the council doesn't want to do the study. They just want to go buy that site, get get Jeff Eppelbaum his contract before Chris Ronayne gets elected county executive, or or I guess Lee Weingart, the Republican, who has a snowball's chance in hell. Uh, And they blocked this to do a full review of how to proceed. Distressing news out of the Cuyahoga County Council. You're listening to Today in Ohio. How is South Euclid atoning for its draconian law that fines residents for calling police too often even if they have legitimate reasons for doing so. Lisa, lots of municipalities passed these nuisance laws a while back where if a phone call is made from your house more than a couple of times to police for help, they start billing you for the police to come, even though that's what your taxes pay for. What happened in South Euclid? Well,
2: in this law, you know, I, I understand nuisance laws, but the South Euclid's law said that if they get, if police get called to the same property twice in 12 months, so that's two times a year, you <laughs> That's considered a nuisance. They get fined if they call a third time in that time period, two hundred and fifty dollars, and a thousand dollars for a fourth call. So, uh, South Euclid resident Gloria Parker filed a federal lawsuit last year, alleging violations of the Fair Housing Act and discrimination against people with disabilities. She had to call South Euclid police nineteen times between 2015 and 2021. She has a schizophrenic son that lives with her, and she would call when he would get violent and harm, try to harm himself or others. She incurred over $12,300 in fines because of these calls. But the lawsuit got settled. It got settled earlier this year. Um, the city has agreed to pay her $65,000, and they're changing the law. It was repealed back in October, and then a new version was passed that eliminates fines on people who call for help and who have disabilities or associated with somebody with disabilities. Yeah,
0: sometimes you you do need police help as part of your life, and taxes pay for the police. That's what we pay taxes for. This idea of dinging people when they're they're taking advantage of the service that we pay for 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 necessary reasons just seemed so unfair. And I guess South Euclid got beaten into submission on believing. And had that. to cough
2: up sixty five thousand dollars for their trouble too. But yeah, two times a year seems kind of excessive. I don't know.
0: Well, you feel bad for this poor woman because she, she's trying to deal with a family situation. That's hard to do. And, and in the middle of it, she's told, well, you're now a nuisance. We're going to start billing you for when police come to your house. So that's going to discourage her from calling police to our house, which could lead to flare-ups of violence and other problems. It was just a bad policy. Good to see that it's all resolved. You're listening to Today in Ohio. The family of Jalen Walker made a plea to the community and to the police Monday. What are they asking for, Laura?
3: They want peace in Akron. They want police to stop using tear gas on protesters. They want protesters to remain peaceful. And they've been asking for that since the beginning when they had their first press conference. They said, we want you to protest, but we want you to do it safely and don't hurt people, don't damage property. Um, there are threats against Mayor Dan Horrigan. There's been a bounty placed against officers, that's according to Horrigan, and the police chief, Steve Milet. They talked to the press yesterday as well. But Jalen Walker's family, and attorney, denounced the police. They said they were using excessive tactics against people protesting. And, you know, the they tried to end the curfew last week in Akron, but it is back. Um, it was going to be 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. It was adjusted to 11 p.m. to 5 a.m. because... We're not seeing massive protests, but it is still roiling in the city.
0: The, the part of what was said yesterday that you wonder how much credibility it has is when the city says there are bounties on police officer mm-hmm. heads. I, I mean, is that is that apocryphal? Is it some rumor they heard or have they got concrete evidence that somebody out there has done that? Uh, to, to make a statement like that is pretty inflammatory. You should probably put some evidence behind it. The, the, there's a tough balance, too, right? That's what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. The, the protesters, the family, they're saying, look, you got to give people a chance to vent. There's a lot of mm-hmm. pent-up anger about this shooting. The city's saying, yes, we do need to give you the, the ability to vent, but you can't be violent. And it's a fine line where those two meet.
3: Right, and it's not like people intend sometimes to be violent, right? The passions take over. We've seen that happen before. But, so, I mean, the mayor says, you can rally around my house. You have every right, but we have to listen to each other. This isn't just about peace. They have to work together. So, I mean, it's a tough situation. There's going to be a funeral on Wednesday. It's public. I expect there to be large crowds there, but I don't know when this ends really the attorneys for the family are calling for the city to change its policy and install dash cams immediately they have body cams on officers but none of the cams are in their police cars so i don't know if that's something the city will be able to consider quickly but i mean people are very angry and it it revolves around how many shots killed Jalen walker and how you know it was just this barrage of gunfire at the end of the chase
0: you know, we've, we're seeing people protest the public officials' houses a good bit now. We saw it mm-hmm. when, with Amy Acton when she was the health director. We've seen it with the Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. We're seeing it with Horgan. That that feels icky to me. What do you guys think about people protesting at the homes of public officials. I read a thing about Gretchen Whitmer, the governor in Michigan, you know, cowering in her house with her kids as, as people were outside. And remember there was a death plot against her. They mm-hmm. were going to kidnap and assassinate her. So these are serious threats and their families are home. I think personally it kind
2: of crosses a line. I mean I'm all for peaceful protest and civil disobedience, but when this this is in this is encroaching on their private domain. And their family members get involved, and I think when people show up to a house, I think that they're they they're not. I think their anger might be uncontrollable. If if something pops off in front of somebody's an official's house, I think it could go bad really quickly. Yeah,
0: yeah. I I just don't think that that's where they should be. Go ahead, Courtney.
1: No, I mean I I I do share those same discomfort kind of feelings about it. I I guess maybe the counterpoint here would be, you know, Akron police reached into Jalen Walker's family's life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It touched his Mm -hmm. home. It hit him where it hurt. Um, I don't know what what, what the equal reaction to that is. I don't know if it's the same response if you just go to the public meeting. I don't know. I mean, it's a
3: public right-of-way, right? right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't stop anyone from walking on the sidewalk or driving down the street. I I get it. It does feel intrusive, especially for family members. But unfortunately, I think you know public officials—they sign up for this when they become a public official, which makes you want to not. I don't, I don't agree with that.
0: I don't agree with that. At all. I don't think anybody. Yeah, that, I mean, they, the public officials, they run for, if they're honest and of good faith, which we have a lot that aren't, they're running because they want to make a difference in their community. They're not running to expose their family to potential violence. I'm and- not
3: saying it's right, I, I but I, I don't know how you stop that i mean what where's the rule that says you can't do that I,
0: i'm not saying it's a rule i'm saying it feels like it lacks some some civility there are plenty of ways to protest you can protest at the police station you can protest outside city hall when you take it into somebody's neighborhood i just remember with it is personal acting, like
3: it, it it is going after their personhood and not their, their, their official political right. or government yeah mm-hmm. official that's the right word
0: And you're going to have people say, I'm not going to run because I don't want to put my family in danger. I just I think that look as much as people are angry at the Supreme Court. Brett Kavanaugh and his colleagues pretty much lied to Congress about what they would do about Roe v. Wade. And once they got in, they they betrayed what they said. And so people are furious with them. They're running them out of restaurants. But there should be something about your home that is your refuge. It's sacrosanct. That was disappointed to hear that they're protesting outside I'm sure that that
3: people would also come say all the media who camp outside people's houses they shouldn't be there either and it's an invasion of privacy which I wouldn't necessarily disagree with you know if there's cameras and stuff camped outside people's houses all the time
0: I think the last time we camped outside somebody's house was when Jimmy DeMora was about I, to get handcuffed. I'm not handcuffed. saying it's us. And that's because I, I was working for an editor who pretty much said my job depended on getting that photo. So <laughs> that, that was pretty much the last time. You're listening to Today in Ohio. How much will a Cleveland man who spent nearly three decades in prison for a crime he didn't commit collect from the state for his wrongful imprisonment? Courtney?
1: Yeah, it looks like Charles Jackson is set to receive north of $1 million, closer to $1.5 million. He'll be eligible to receive $52,000 for every year he was wrongfully imprisoned. And he was behind bars for 28 years for a 1991 slaying in Cleveland that he's always maintained he never committed. And the justice system has now agreed with him and declared him on Monday wrongfully imprisoned for all those years so this money is 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 part of that process when someone's declared wrongfully imprisoned and and you know jackson said it's gonna let him take care of his mom and his siblings he wants to take them to disneyland which i thought was sweet yeah and 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 this jackson case oh my goodness is there so much Stuff going on here the Ohio Innocence Project got involved and that kind of kicked off these proceedings but as part of this it also came to light that that prosecutors and police were holding back records and, and wrongfully redacting things and, and that that would have helped exonerate or, or exculpatory evidence from way back when and um, Jackson is currently has a federal civil rights lawsuit pending about about them kind of holding back that evidence.
0: Yeah. You think about a thousand dollars a week does not in any way compensate you for your being deprived of your freedom, but, but it wasn't the state that deprived him of his freedom. It was really the police and the prosecutors that played very sleazy. And I expect he will get more than a thousand dollars a week when that suit is settled because they acted in bad faith to improperly lock him up. Uh, it's, it's it's great that the state agreed. Dave Yost was part of the petition to make sure this guy got his money, uh, even though it wasn't the state that did this to him. Uh, we'll have to see how that lawsuit goes. You're listening to Today in Ohio. We talk about the cost of housing in Greater Cleveland a lot, but we don't focus that much on rent how do rents in the region compare to the rest of the nation, Lisa? Well,
2: we certainly look very affordable when we're measured against the nation. Um, the median rent nationally is $2,045. That means half is more and half is less than that amount. In the greater Cleveland area, the five-county area, Cuyahoga Lake, Lorraine, Medina, and Geauga, the median rent is $1,050. So it's like half of what the national rate is. This data comes to us from the rental tracking website Dwellsy. In Cleveland, the median rent, though, did increase. I mean, it's still on the rise. You know, it increased 3.4% in the last 12 months, and that adds up to about $35 a month. It's um, It's gone up 13% in single-family rental homes, but it's gone down 2% in apartment homes. And according to a 2020 Harvard study, they do a lot of study. They have a housing group that they do a lot of studies through. Home rentals are in a single-family home rentals are in very high demand, especially in the Midwest, West, and Southern U.S.A. They experts do say that they think rental prices should cool off a bit this fall, but we'll see.
0: Anecdotally, I I thought that the rent situation in Cleveland was pretty terrible. People looking for single family homes were getting priced out. But then that's that's the glass is half empty. When you look at the rest of the nation, you say, okay, well, the glass is half full. It could be a lot worse.
2: Absolutely. And but now but people but it's interesting that it's down two percent in apartments. So people want those single family homes. I think it's a pandemic effect there.
0: Right, because you can work from home. You want to have a nice setting, and you don't have to be in a downtown apartment necessarily. Anyway, an interesting look. We don't look at the rents a lot. We're usually looking at housing prices. A good perspective. You're listening to Today in Ohio. With people starting to travel again, Destination Cleveland has its purpose back. What's the nonprofit tourism promotion agency trying to say with its new marketing campaign? And, Laura, i got to tell you, I'm underwhelmed. (laughs)
3: <laughs> it's the Land for Life. So this is the minute-long commercial that they debuted yesterday from Destination Cleveland. And we have the video on our site. Susan Glazer wrote a story. So go over and click on it and, and see it. It's this very smooth, hip video. It showcases a lot of young, diverse Clevelanders doing really cool things. I don't think there is any snow in this video. I could be wrong, <laughs> but I didn't see any. Uh, You're right. Lots Everything's... Of- everything was very sunny um lots of art actually the cleveland museum of art had their chalk fest in there a lot of restaurants um pretty shots of the lake at sunsets clubs music there are a couple of shots of the browns calves and the guardians like maybe one each of that that wasn't the focus was sports it felt very cool very urban and um Way, way too cool for me, honestly.
0: <laughs> Look, Destination Cleveland has a, a long proven track record of of nailing it, of increasing tourism every year. They've been very, very effective over the last decade or more. I just can't understand watching that video why I would want to come to Cleveland. It looks like a lot of stuff that's in cities everywhere. It, it's You're right. It's lots of people having fun. But there was nothing about it that said, this is Cleveland to me. And so I'm, I, am I, you know, in part of me says, well, defer to the experts. They've got a long proven track record of making it work, so they must know what they're doing. But the other part of me says, if I'm sitting in Columbus, which is one of the markets they're going to, what about this would have an appeal to me in Columbus?
3: I mean, I guess it looks super fun. I would I would disagree that there's nothing that says Cleveland. I mean, the lake, the flats. Uh, Cleveland Museum of Art is very recognizable, but you're right. There's a lot of like, just I think what uh, East Fourth is on there, but not something. Oh, it has shows the Rock Hall. It shows like fireworks in front of there, I think, but it, it's just it shows like an energy, I guess, and that's what David Gilbert wanted to be proud, proud and unapologetic, a bit more confident than past. Uh, advertisement campaigns, I guess. And it, it is designed both to spur visits and population growth. So if people come visit, maybe they'll stay. Maybe they'll move here. We'll have, you know, population growth for a change. It's, it's airing in seven markets that includes Columbus, Cincinnati, Detroit, Chicago, I think Atlanta. And it, there's um, print ads as well. So it's not just the commercial. Um, I thought one of the cool slogans on the print ads was an entire island devoted to whiskey.
0: I, uh, if you're trying to get people to move here, why not advertise the low <laughs> rents? <laughs> <laughs> I
3: well, I guess you know. that pol- won't work for the traveler unless yeah. that translates to, you know, hotel rooms and Airbnbs. I mean, I think they're trying to sell a feeling more so than like, here are the landmarks you could visit in Cleveland.
0: Well, like I said, they've they've got a remarkable record. So Give them the benefit of the doubt, they know what they're doing. Until the pandemic hit, they saw increases year over year over year. It's been pretty remarkable. Can I Check say out the one video. more thing
3: about this? I oh, th- think ahead. this is really cool. They plan to launch a storytelling project with local residents are going to have conversations on a couch set up throughout town. And they're going to have a podcast, also efforts to develop the civil rights trail in the city and new lighting to public square. So it's not just ads, but the the, the person on the couch telling stories, that could be interesting.
0: It could be. It might not be. You're listening to Today in Ohio. Lots of people remain confused by this year's unusual August primary election for the Ohio State House. Secretary of State Frank LaRose caused a lot of that confusion by thwarting the requirements of the Ohio Constitution to draw fair legislative maps. So, Courtney, what's he doing to atone?
1: Yeah, thanks, gerrymandering, folks. Um, we're going to be paying three times as much as usual on on an ad campaign that Frank LaRose is pursuing to get the word out about this wonky election that probably shouldn't even be happening this way. But um, so so the state controlling board on Monday approved uh, two hundred fifty thousand dollars for radio, TV, online ads to really get the word out. Election officials are are projecting kind of dismal dismal turnout perhaps four to fifteen percent one expert told us and um because ohio's never really had a second primary election the way we're looking at this august you know one official told us whatever the turnout is it'll be a wild guess so to pump up turnout for these state house races you know states just trying to get more ads out there but this really is a product of the primary being split one in May for the federal races, now the second one in August for the state races, and that was a product of, you know, the federal court requiring this date and imposing maps that were deemed unconstitutional by the Ohio Supreme Court previously.
0: I, I cannot imagine that turnout will not be record low. I just, it's August 2nd. Who is going to vote on August 2nd?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I knew that there was a second primary coming, but I kind of like let it go out of my mind. I mean, I'm embroiled in the news and kind of forgot all about this. How much are we paying again for this separate election?
3: Do we know?
0: The total it's like millions,
3: right? Yeah, it's not just the advertising. They gotta call it have, they have to have all the poll workers and everything open. I mean, it's the whole state. So right. There's millions, a price right? tag
1: there as well. Yeah.
0: But it's it's a. Th- thwarting of democracy because so many people are busy in the summer they're not going to vote so a tiny number of people are going to pick the candidates which is not the way elections should run the gerrymandering probably most people
3: don't know what district they're even in right so we will be telling people (laughs) don't worry it's coming
0: the gerrymandering this year has just been shameful it's we talked earlier about we need quality leaders to run and clearly the people involved in the redistricting commission are not the quality leaders we're looking for. They disobeyed the Constitution repeatedly, disobeyed the orders of the Supreme Court, and we're left with this mess. It's today in Ohio. Is the proposal to define personhood in Ohio as beginning at conception likely to get anywhere, or is this another case of lawmakers seeking attention with fringe proposals? Lisa, of course, you can't have a crystal ball, and say whether it's going to get anywhere. But does it have the kind of backers that make it a serious piece of legislation? It, it,
2: in my mind, it doesn't. It's it's House Bill 704, and it's very short on details, and it's very short. It's only one sentence long. So basically, this House Bill 704 says, quote, Ohio shall recognize personhood and protect constitutional rights of all unborn human individuals from the moment of conception but there was like a short short little clarifier that says it shall not be interpreted in any manner that endangers the life of the mother. So they're doing a little fence straddling there. But the sponsor of this bill is uh, Representative Gary Click. He's a, re- a Republican from Sandusky. There are seven co-sponsors, all of them very conservative, and none of them in Northeast Ohio. Um, I think Stark County is about the closest that we get there. But Click says that this this proposed bill reinforces the pro-life view, um, and he they say that it will likely have legal protections for providers who terminate pregnancies to save the mother's life or to preserve a major, major bodily function. But I don't know. It's one sentence long. There's a lot to read in between the lines there.
0: Right, and and when he was asked questions, he was like, well, we'll have to figure that out. Well, shouldn't you figure it out before you submit the bill they asked him one thing would this mean that somebody could drive in an hov lane if they're pregnant because it's two two persons and he said no which i didn't get because if it's a well, person then you have yeah. multiple people in the car I,
3: I thought that was and he called it a gotcha mm-hmm. question but literally we just had our st- a story on our site the same day that said that had been used as a defense from someone pulled over driving alone in the lane and it's like okay you can't have it both ways if it's a person then, then it should count as a person. Also, I got a press release this morning which they're now saying abortion is age discrimination. Because you're discriminating against the hey, age of
2: your face. Hey, I think that's very clever, you know. And this Houston woman has now gone viral. She was she was like 34 weeks pregnant, obviously pregnant, and she got pulled over in the HOV lane in Houston. But then again, you know, when, when Click was asked, he says, well, a woman carrying a baby doesn't count because HOV lanes are for carpooling and fuel savings. But it's interesting that uh, officials with the Ohio Right to Life have not taken a position on this bill yet. They want more details as well everybody
0: seems go ahead Courtney
1: no I just we talk about the HOV line all these like weird quirky like arguments could come up now can a pregnant person claim a fetus as their dependent Mm -hmm. you know what I mean can I ensure there's just all sorts of wacky stuff in weird directions I think this kind of thing could go in
0: well it's almost like a mad dash to see who can get the most strict law passed so this, Matt Huffman has made clear they're working on an abortion ban in Ohio, they're, they're going about it in a way where they think it'll be defensible. That's the process. And he said there'll be hearings and they'll do everything right. That's the process by which you come to the law, but then you get this group racing to get its thing in, one sentence, and that's a ridiculous law to put on the books, because it has so many of the questions that you're all raising here, but they all got their names on it, they can go to their constituents and say, look what I did, although, you know, remember, the majority of Ohioans don't want these laws, so it's really, you're playing to the fringe element of the party. It's Today in Ohio, and that closes out the Tuesday conversation. Thank you, Courtney. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Laura. Thanks to everybody who listens. We'll be back Wednesday with another discussion of the news.